Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. This is your host, Hewitt Tomlin. Before I get into this week's guest, I just want to point out a couple of new features that we've been putting out there recently. Of course, we always have our payments portal. And the payments portal is not just a one-time release from us. We've been actually iterating and adding to it, um, adding new features to that thing. We really want to see this become a tool for coaches to really create new revenues, new side income. We want it to be something that is really productive and really impactful for the coach. Um, So please check out that feature. Amongst other things, we are releasing new messaging We've released new reporting. So little things coming out here and there. If you do not have a Team Builder account, you are always welcome to start a free trial or you can reach out uh, to take a demo from one of our great salespeople. With that being said, this week's guest is Amanda Berg. Amanda Berg is a high school strength coach and she says, first and foremost, she's a teacher. She actually heads up the physical education department as well as being the strength and conditioning coach um, at a high school in Minnesota. And uh, we are going to post uh, more information about her in the show notes. But I just want to point out that like we had a great conversation about just her role and her department and her students and athletes, right? We, we don't necessarily just focus on, on athletes. Um, and we talk about what it means to, to be a high school strength coach. But then we'll, we also get into a little bit about the importance of recognizing women in our field, not because we're just checking a box, but because they have stories to tell that otherwise we would not hear. Uh, for instance, if I told you that this uh, strength coach that you don't know was a, uh, a combat veteran and then came back to the States and, and became a strength and conditioning coach, I bet you would automatically assume that that person was a man. But it's not. It's actually Amanda Berg. So it's those kinds of stories we want to highlight and kind of give platforms to by choosing to be more diverse and uh, choosing our guests and then just having them tell their story for what it is based on the merits. Um, so with that being said, I'll stop and then we can get into the podcast with Amanda Berg. Hey, Amanda, how you doing? Hey, Hewitt. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I think anytime we have a high school coach, it's great. Anytime we have a member of the NHSSCA, it's a great uh, discussion. So I'm excited. Yes, yes. Let's do it. Before we even hit the record button, you were telling me you're like, I'm on a high right now because you had you had 50 students do an Olympic triathlon as part of your physical education class, which I was like, wait a second, Phi Ed, who's doing triathlons in Phi Ed? So like, is this normal, like in America for physical education to like have 50 students complete an Olympic triathlon? I, I don't know. I've never really heard of it before. We No, we, we could just say no. Like that there's no, no way, right? This is, no. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, we had heard about it. Actually, a parent brought it to our attention um that had moved from a community that they did it in yeah. state. And I, I don't know if they do this triathlon anymore, but we started implementing it as an advanced class. And it wasn't very popular for a lot of years. And then one year it was about, oh, I think it was three years ago when we were doing registration videos, we're like, mm-hmm. come on, it's time. Let's do this triathlon class, get, get a buzz in the school, let get a friend and let's do it. And all of a sudden there was this little buzz and we were just hoping to have it, have enough kids to do it. So 15, 16 kids. And yeah. we got over 50 that uh-huh. wanted- two years ago and then now it's becoming 
my sister did it, so I want to do it. And now the community yeah. out. And I mean, it was just a buzz today. We had over 50 volunteers that were helping us out. Uh, wow. Running things, like bringing in our yeah. audio visual team. It's just like, yeah, I'm just stoked. All the people, it felt it felt good. It felt normal as well, just, you know, with school. Oh, oh, oh I see. With people getting together, kind of like prior to the, the whole pandemic, a group yeah. of people doing something together. Yeah. Yeah. So 50 kids and they all finished. That's amazing. So like um, a high school can't just do something like that overnight. Like your physical education curriculum and culture kind of had to, you know, have a strong foundation to have that many participants to go for something that ambitious. So like, can we zoom out a little bit and talk about your physical education department at your school? Um, you know, I guess the first question I have is like, is this what an average physical education department looks like at a high school in America or, or like, where do you lie on the spectrum? I would say, you know, if you ask me on the spectrum, I think we are, I don't want to say at the top of the game, but the things that we offer and just evolve over the years have been, I mean, amazing. We start out with having all of our ninth at the high school level, all of our ninth graders, take FIED. And so it's a general FIED, but mm -hmm. then there, they only have to take one FIED the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. But the, my co-teacher that I teach with, he's very into, you know, the running atmosphere. He's a competitive runner and he's always mm -hmm. in the community. And then my, on the strength and conditioning end, we have a lot of events. So our kids really fill the FIED classes. I mean, we offer um, like a strength and conditioning we offer mm -hmm. like personal safety and fitness, excellent for self-defense, you know, some mm -hmm. boxing type of stuff, advanced strength and conditioning. Uh, we have college offerings. We offer college classes. And then what else? Like individual and dual activities. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. And I think what really separates us apart is this triathlon class. We run every other year, but then on the counter years, we run sports officiating classes. Mm. And anywhere in sports right now, there's a shortage of officials. So yeah. on our opposite years with those. Is that because of parents? Is that is that because angry parents yell at them? Is that the main reason? I think so. I mean, it's definitely a hard <laughs> The money, not getting, you know, risk versus reward as far as parents and. Yeah. Right. But we, we got to tell these parents to calm down a little bit. Yeah, it's and that's the first thing the kids are scared of. <laughs> oh, really? When they join the officiating class? Yeah, just people yeah. yelling at them, and so yeah, we yeah we over overzealous dads with tattoos and moms be, and oh yeah, and moms with the, with or without tattoos, they, they get scary too. I agree. <laughs> yeah, they do, and it yeah, it actually I love how it helps the kids because you know a competitive teenage kid. A lot of times, yeah. sometimes they don't treat the officials with a lot of respect. It's true. Yeah. This class snaps them into place very fast in their competitive atmosphere as well, because they yeah. already in that spot. Good. Good. Yeah. That, that must be a new thing. I mean, I, I wasn't really used to, you know, I grew up like in an old school football program in Tennessee. So like if a kid, you know, talked to an adult just in general, that was like, you know, not acceptable behavior, but I, I have seen some things where like kids, can't really differentiate between their peers and grown adults sometimes. Yeah. 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 This yeah. really with that a lot. Yeah. 
So, okay, that's incredible. I mean, like your physical education department looks nothing like what I say grew up with. Why do you think that is? Like some things that come to my mind is like, do you do you have you know more funding than than other schools? Uh, does it have to do with like your socioeconomic, you know, neighborhood, your your community? Does it have to do with you specifically and the fact that you and your colleagues kind of cultured that there? What what's the main reason for how your what your phi ed department looks like? I'd say first. Definitely culture. You know, my colleague that I work with, we can just, you know, for instance, we ran this event today and we never step on each other's toes. It's just, you're doing this. Yep. Got this. So mm. the culture we set up and that, I mean, we both live in the community mm. and I, we both live the school, you know, we're the mm-hmm. one doing, he's refereeing all the time. We are at almost, you know, every single home event we're mm-hmm. at we're in the store we're around kids a lot I think number one mm-hmm. and I know that every teacher can't be in that position but we're lucky mm-hmm. that way we both live two miles from school mm-hmm. that's one and then two I'd say support you know from definitely our administration we want to try something let's do it we're going to fight mm-hmm. for a new weight room let's do it find a way to make it happen wow. yeah and new classes, you know, our superintendent, actually, we have a female strength and conditioning as well. And our superintendent oh, wow. is the one who brought that to my attention. Okay. So we started pushing for it. Amazing. And yeah, just the support. And then, you know, just today, I'm glad we get to talk about this now, but with the triathlon, our teachers, we took kids out of class today from everywhere. And mm-hmm. instead of being upset, the teachers were live streaming the event. Yeah. We're just really on board with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool they understand because that, that's kind of what life looks like. Um, you're going to take time off of work to, to do a triathlon or to do something that challenges you or enriches you personally, whether it's a vacation or whether it's a, a personal goal. Um, so th- and that makes a lot of sense to me. The, the parents, are they important in terms of supporting you know, a, an ambitious phi ed program? I really think they are. I mean, today the parents were out there like, mm-hmm. and we invite them in. That also takes a lot of communication on our yeah. emails. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we are inviting you in. Uh, we had a new weight room that we built. It's been five years now. And mm-hmm. there was a parent that took the lead on that. It wouldn't have mm-hmm. happened. unless One of the parents was like, let's do this. And then we mm-hmm. had another parent who volunteered to be the general contractor. Yeah. Wow. When you live in a small community, I, I haven't been in a, you know, a different community, but in our community, when you live in a small community, the school is your, you know, it's your fun, right? It's yeah. your and we're not around a college town. We're about an hour from a professional team. So mm-hmm. this really is the sitting in the cafe. This is what people are talking about. And that yeah. makes a big help. Yeah, that is true. So I'm guessing you're your colleagues, your administrators, your teachers, your parents, do, do you feel like they generally value health and fitness? Do you think that that's kind of a part of it too, is that the, the adult population is enthusiastic for activity in general? Definitely. I mean, we, I got to witness this. We have a, you know, curriculum, you have to run everything through like a curriculum committee of, mm-hmm. which is primarily of parents and one of the big things when we keep going to them and saying, well, we want to offer this class, we want to offer, you know, a female class. And they're like, if I had had the opportunities like this when I was young, 
how much I would have enjoyed, you know, physical yeah. education. And it's not yeah. just about team sports. Well, I mean, team sports is still our highest population mm -hmm. class. So we need to make sure we're offering it, but yeah. just providing those opportunities for others. Yeah. Well, I kind of said it earlier in the podcast. I mean, I feel that way every time I have a, a guest on, you know, my podcast, it's like, I wish I had you as a coach. I wish I was in your program. Um, it's especially true when it comes to the high school coaches because um, it's so well-rounded, I think, just, you know, how they come off. Uh, yeah. It's not like the weight rooms as the X's and O's and kind of that's it. I mean, we can talk within that context, but there's obviously a larger context that high school coaches operate in, including social-emotional learning and incorporating that into physical education, which I think is so cool. Um, the next question I wanted to ask you was, like I wanted to ask, you know, how and what kind of role does the weight room play within the overall fire department? But I kind of wanted to flip the question and ask it another way. I wanted to ask, like, um, what would your fire ed uh, curriculum and department look like if the weight room did not exist? So, like, what what does the weight room bring to it that's like unique, or what would you miss the most about the weight room if that was not a part of fire ed? If we could think of it that way, just a different way of kind of approaching it. Wow. I like, I like to think about it that way because I think maybe I'm answering it opposite, but right now in general, because it's such an intricate part of our physical education program, sometimes it gets taken for granted that it's just there, right? When a, for instance, when a sports team comes in, when they're in ninth grade, they just know how to lift. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't learn it necessarily from they learn it from me in the physical education program. So mm -hmm. I wasn't a part of the physical education program. We would be starting pretty much from training year one at ninth grade. I think mm -hmm. in our community anyway, was where I know a lot of other communities might have access to a strength and conditioning coach, but we don't. That was a position that was kind of has evolved since I've been here and mm -hmm. have been knowledgeable in strength and conditioning. Yeah. But So that would be... I think we we just would be starting at training year one and kind yeah. of the concept of if it wasn't here, it would still be a place where you step in at three and the kids can do whatever they want and they leave when they want, they do what they mm -hmm. want. And it would look like a fitness center. Yeah. The training for a gym area. Yeah. You know, gotcha. does that, does that solve yeah. it? Out? Yeah. That, that, that answers it. I mean, what um, what about like the the student population in in general? Like, do you think the weight room brings like other qualities other than physical qualities to the students? Yeah. Like, do you see students becoming more confident? For instance, Dr. John Bierbauer, who I've had on the podcast, talks yeah. about how he just sees among not just athletes, just the student body in general, just like a bigger sense of confidence once they started using the weight room as like a, a tool within physical education. Have you seen the same thing? I really see that. Be, and it's getting younger and younger. I would say the more years that we get into it, we're really lucky we are with our middle school. So mm -hmm. what we, again, our colleagues in the middle school, we've all been teaching together a long time. We will trade for, I mean, sometimes up to 12 weeks. We'll trade, for instance, I'll take every other Thursday and then I do all the fifth through eighth grade. And then they get that in some form for four years straight. Uh -huh. fifth through eighth 
grade and that at least they're getting eight to nine sessions in their school day. So mm-hmm. that makes confidence when they come in when they're in ninth grade. They're like, yes, we get to get back to the weight room again, not uh-huh. the weight room. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they know what it is. And even if those ones who can't take, you know, for instance, a summer program or not in a sport, mm-hmm. every single student in our school has some knowledge of the weight room by the time they even enter the high school and have me as their teacher. Right. Yeah. Do do students who don't compete in athletics, are they generally less enthusiastic about the weight room than the athletes are? Or do you think the gap is smaller than one would assume? I think the gap is smaller than one would assume. Mm. I think because we've put in things that they can compete for, you know, for instance, they could earn a varsity letter. We have a whole bunch of number type of programs that they could compete for. Uh, They stick with it longer sometimes. They don't have the season to season thing. So they consider it training, you know, so a Mm -hmm. lot of times I'd say you're two sport athletes, you're one sport athletes. And then each year we letter about five to six kids who've never even played a sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, our our philosophy right in the weight room. It says you belong here. Uh-huh. And that's really what it is. You belong here. You should be wow. here. If you're here, you'll be yeah. welcome no matter no matter what. Yeah. If you're willing to, to put effort in and, and abide by the rules, why not? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, Sometimes that's the hardest part. Uh-huh. What effort or rules? Sometimes the rules, you know, and, and setting a high standard, um, it, sometimes that chases our athletes out the door more than it chases the non-athletes out the door. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I can imagine. I mean, it's so cool though, to, to hear that the weight room is, it's not just a place for competitive athletes and to hear that the, the students like it sometimes just as much or more, um, it's super important, it, you know, that way you don't have like a, a two populations that you treat totally differently. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. And just seeing them mixed together, you know, yeah. seeing the athlete and the non-athlete lift together and just have it be normal, you know, and having yeah. the non-athlete just critiquing the athlete. That's, that's fun to see sometimes. Those are the, some of the most rewarding interactions for me. Yeah. So does that result in like school camaraderie just in general for the school? Is that, is that, is that what's happening there? I think so. I would equate it to be the other 90%. Sometimes is what I say. Like for instance, your elite athletes are Mm -hmm. going to elite athletes, right? Yeah. Um, However, our time in the weight room and who they interact with and the, effort that gets put in that helps build that up the percentage that, you know, sometimes doesn't get accounted for. Sometimes we only focus on the ones who we see or get the headlines. No, those other ones that are, you know, it's kind of just barely on the cusp of making the varsity team and them lifting with some of the non-athletes, that is what helps bring up the culture as a whole. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And and also like what you're mentioning about elite athletes, I think that's a uniquely American thing. You know, just from speaking to enough coaches um, that are say not American, 
we for better and for worse like we emphasize winning and just being outstanding um you know at like a very young age yes. and that tends to kind of separate young uh successful athletes at a young age from the rest of the population um sometimes that's the result especially at the school level so to hear you say that is is definitely cool because um you know like this is a kind of an extreme example but it is America wins the most Olympics in the summer, right? And then yet, you know, we you know, don't always have the healthiest population as a whole, right? Compared yeah. to the rest of the world. We kind of, we're kind of living in two extremes here. And I, I tend to wonder sometimes if there are uh, reasons for that, you know, at the school level. Um, but it sounds like what you're doing is like completely counter to having that kind of dynamic take place. Um, so cool. So fascinating. Um, I, I don't know much, Amanda, about like your background prior to your career as a as a strength coach and fire teacher and by the way as an aside if you meet someone randomly at a party and they ask you what you do for a living do you say that you're a strength coach or do you say you're a fire teacher like how do you go about that i say i'm a teacher first but i'll always oh, really? tell that i'm a strength coach <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, yeah I, i'll always put that that's that's what i'm doing as well but i make my yeah. living being a teacher yeah i got gotcha. you cool um, have you always been in high school or like what, what were you doing prior to, to your current career now? Well, I think I have a very unique background compared to, compared to probably a lot that get into this industry is I've never had an intern ever, uh, internship, uh, anything oh, wow. strength and conditioning. Um, I actually wasn't even really planning to be a teacher, but I was in the military and, I planned on being a strength and conditioning coach. Like that's what I was going to school for, but I was kind of in during a turbulent time of the military. So I ended up being deployed twice. Wow. I was a truck driver. So my role, um, I actually spent all of, uh, 2005 as a truck driver and, uh, in a leadership position. And I hauled tanks and combat troops in and out of Iraq and I was assistant convoy commander and our fitness coordinator. So, so what? yeah, and, wow. yeah, it was a very, just such a unique time. You know, like most people go to school, go to the National Guard, they want to get their school. But I actually spent more time in my active duty than I did um, out of just because of, you know. So you were deployed as a National Guards, Guardsman, Guardswoman. Yep. Yep. Wow. I, yeah, I ended up being activated. I think it was like a little bit over four years out of my six-year term. <laughs> so I did. Wow. Yeah, I was so, like, which is that's not usual for National Guard, right? National Guard Reserve is typically a pretty passive, yeah, uh, force, right? Generally it, speaking. Yeah, generally speaking, it was just you know a time that was very different. Uh, if you've ever heard of the surge, where it was yeah. just you know, long, long deployments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of got in the heat of the middle of that. And so my time got very extended as far as I wasn't able to graduate college. And But those experiences that I had, they clearly set me up for this role, you know, being mm-hmm. able to manage coaches, being able to manage kids. I mean, a high school strength and conditioning coach manages more kids than any coach out there. <laughs> I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you really do, especially if you're a teacher, you know, you yeah. have so many different avenues of it. So it really did set me up to be able to handle this and just transition 
because you are an organizer <laughs> and right. of things. So that was my, uh, that's how I started out. And I just happened, I moved back home after I was out of, or had gotten out of my deployment and I got married to somebody in my hometown and still married to him. And uh, this job opened up one day. I was like, I was two two weeks before school started and I was able to get it. It was part-time. Wow. <laughs> part-time job. Yeah. So counting your part-time job, what, what's your, what is your tenure like so far at, at the school? So, so then I was able to uh, move into full-time and then the, another FIA teacher that was full-time retired and I was able to move into this role and now I'm in my 16th year. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. I, I actually got hired. Um, they were looking the strength and, excuse me, the strength and conditioning position had opened up for the first time ever. The athletic director had made a spot weight room supervisor. Mm-hmm. And I had called the school and said, you know, I have a strength and conditioning background. I'm interested in that. And he said, well, we're actually um, looking for a physical education teacher and we want to see if that works out. Well, then mm-hmm. they posted the physical education teacher the next day, and I got hired for that. And so I called the AD up and said, I got that job. Now can I be your strength and conditioning coach? <laughs> and then game on. So yeah, a little bit so from, different background. Yeah, a little bit different, but so freaking cool. I mean, but it's also cool that you you knew you were a strength coach all along. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just you had a, a different route of going about it. So do you mind if I ask about your time on deployment? Um, no, have at it. When you were there, were you, would, did you consider yourself a strength coach then? Were you training yourself or training other folks, uh, you know, on, on deployment? Yeah, I was lucky on the, my job title would be called fitness assessment coordinator. Mm-hmm. So my job was to make sure that everybody got their fit, fitness tests and we would, it would be running, uh, organizing the fitness test, getting the volunteers that we needed, making sure that mm-hmm. that happens, then getting people passing. So I really learned a lot, again, organization and administration wise with that. Yeah. And uh, we were different because our crew was on the road all the time. And I was on the road all the time. Well, we were there, we would go on deployments like in and out of Iraq, we would haul things in and out. So I had to get very organized when we were going to do stuff and getting everything accomplished. But I would consider mm-hmm. myself a strength coach. It was nice. I was allowed to make the programs, you know, for our morning workouts. And uh-huh. I, I was all over that. So, wow. Yeah. So you were, you were not only deployed, you had two jobs on deployment, yeah, like did. two professional jobs, two professional jobs on deployment, two leadership jobs. I mean, yeah. Like, Move being in with the assistant convoy commander, I was in charge of personnel. So, for wow. instance, I had to make sure that you know who was sick, couldn't even go out on the road uh, when yeah. we were out on the road, who needed yeah. taking care of people ourselves. And then a lot of people don't know this about the military, but we have what you know at the time we call them third country nationals, but mm-hmm. people from other countries who work for our government as truck mm-hmm. drivers. So, that brought in the language barrier. Mm-hmm. cultural barrier um you know and making sure that things were okay on that end yeah. too. just so many things that i find myself using each and every day from that year yeah 
that's incredible. How old were you when, when you were on deployment those four years? Uh, 20, 25. Which, wow. Yeah, it was nice that I was a little bit older as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were a little bit older, but, you know, still at 25 years old, that's quite an experience. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of responsibility. I mean, you know, you're, you're living a lifetime before, you know, a lot of 25-year-olds even know what life really is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. just facing, you know, that adversity and facing that, I don't know how to say it, but just kind of being calm because maybe this is it, right? You know, yeah. when you go up that road, this is it. And it really, it has helped put things in perspective that teaching is, easy. Yeah. you know, the yeah. this that I get to do now is a reward because yeah. I know that it couldn't have, it might not have been that way. Yeah. Have you had young, uh, young people, students uh, ask you about your experience in the military, they themselves considering it? I mean, do people seek you out for that advice? Definitely. I think that has been one of the, you know, a lot of times people talk about having trouble um, transitioning out of the military Mm -hmm. and being able to work with youth and see them move forward and start to be interested in the military is probably been one of the most rewarding things about my job. And if you've ever been in a high school setting, they bring in a lot of the recruiters will come in and the the army national guard recruiter was probably my biggest relationship for many years. He's retired now and there's new recruiters coming in. We always have good relationships and do stuff, but being with that recruiter really Mm -hmm. helped me able to transition and then support my students. Mm -hmm. And if you've heard lately, I've been very interested in, I've been getting into the army combat fitness test and using Mm -hmm. strength and conditioning programs Mm -hmm. using it as like a competitive fun event. I would have never been able to do that if I hadn't had relationships with the recruiters. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Do you, do you like the test? Is it a good test? I love the test. It is way better than the old one, right? Way better. I mean, the old one was two minutes of push-ups. Yeah. Two minutes minutes of sit-ups. A two mile run. Two mile run. Yeah. Where this new one's got the deadlift. It's got this like, um, it's called a leg tuck or a plank. Mm-hmm. We do planks. It's got a medicine mm-hmm. ball throw. It's mm-hmm. got a drag and a farmer's carry. Mm-hmm. So, so many things that we do in the strength and conditioning profession. Yeah. I like all that stuff too. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to keep going with them. Like I'll talk about it to anybody who will listen. <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah. I want to keep going. So how, how many times have you done the, the army fitness test? Well, myself personally, uh-huh. I've done it like I, each time that I do it for a competition, I do it. And uh-huh. I have okay. A heck of a time with the leg tuck. If you have seen this leg tuck, especially like aging, like the when your girth of your stomach gets a little bigger, it's super hard. You gotta, you gotta There's bring some stuff your, in the way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit in the way. You gotta bring your knees uh, up to your elbows, and it is wicked hard. Like, uh-huh. I cannot pass it right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to be a hundred percent on everything PT. So that was, yeah. that was hard for me, but we've done some really fun things with it. We did, uh, we started, we did this charger warrior challenge where we had mm-hmm. on our track and we had over 150 kids. And then we had lanes and volunteers for each event. It was, it was, the vibe was great. It was kind of a lot like the triathlon today. And then a lot uh-huh. of times the with the recruiters will compete against schools 
that's kind of fun. So yeah. We've got a lot of ways that we can use it. Yeah. Use it with other schools, yeah. like the CrossFit games, but for, you know, yeah. high school kids and what they're competing at makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And a side note, I've got a workout program for the army combat fitness test on team builder. So I'm like, I got to shoot it. Oh. to you. Yeah. You should shoot it to me. I, I, yeah. I, I haven't done this test yet. I, they were kind of running it at sore next summer strong two years ago, but I don't know. I think I had a beer or something. I lost interest, but I, I really should have done it. Um, maybe it's something fun. We can set up at like the NHSSCA or something like that, Yeah. which by the way is um, in Minneapolis. And uh, that's kind of like your, you know, hometown, home state kind of thing, right? Not yep. too far away. Um, you've been to other, conferences or, or or you know events right like nsca and some stuff like that you, you've been yeah. to yeah yeah uh, but we you and i met at i think the very first um maybe not the first one but the the second nhs sca in yeah. indiana you and i that's where you and i first met each other yeah um just a super fun time that conference right um definitely one that i look forward to going to like the most almost every year just because of the community of the strength coaches uh, I think you like you would agree too, but you know I'll ask you for your unique perspective. What do you like in particular about the NHSSCA, you know, versus other conference or? Well, definitely the social aspect, right? You and I got to live with each other for three days, and we never knew each other. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, you throw each other, uh, yeah, into rooms, and it's an an inviting atmosphere. You know, for a lot of years, Hewitt, I honestly thought. I was the only person who did my job. Like I live in a very small town mm-hmm. and I knew that I love strength and conditioning. And I just thought I was a little bit odd. I knew um, Ryan Johnson, RJ, I knew who he was, but he was, mm-hmm. he's at wise at a high school has, you know, over 3000 kids. And mm-hmm. I knew that I was doing something like him, but I did not know that there were other coaches that were, was doing pretty much mirroring, exactly what I'm doing, having a letter program, having, you know, different um, milestones for their program, training their sports teams, scheduling out their sports teams. I didn't know that other people were doing that and going to the NHSSCA and the inviting atmosphere of coaches talking about what they were doing. It was like, (laughs) there's other people that are doing this and they're humble about it. They're not trying to sell me something. They're not trying to um, tell me something that's only focusing on one or two of my kids, maybe, or something I can attest I can only do with one or two of my kids. And that was the big aha moment for me of like, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got me. I'm all in and I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to, you know, spread the word on this. And as a female coach, the inviting atmosphere, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I have not felt like you're not welcome here. Yeah. That's been, a yeah, it really is the, um, you know, from my experience, the longest tenured high school strength coaches are just the, the sweetest people. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that was so cool. It kind of contrasts, I actually contrasts a lot in my opinion with what you might see at the other levels of competition where you really feel like you have to earn you know, your logo and, you know, there's definitely a hierarchy in place. Um, you don't see that at, at all, really, do you, with uh, the NHS SCA? I, I have yet to, you know, even people who have 
schools where they're right down the road from each other. They're, they're each other's closest supporters. Mm-hmm. So I have, no, that's been the biggest part in inviting and just listening and willing to share and willing to share, not just talking, Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I'll shoot you that. I got gotcha. you. And it's right yeah. there, you know, yeah. they get excited for it. And then seeing other coaches, you know, kind of use it and then mold it a little bit to their own and yeah. see where it evolves. You know, I think of, you're familiar with Mark Hoover and yeah. his simple rubric. It's not simple. His rubric that was like such an aha moment for so many coaches who are teachers. And now mm-hmm. how many of us have said, Mark, can we have that? And then oh. uh, we've evolved it to our own and it's fun to see. Yeah. Uh, by the way, bringing up Mark, he, I think he's a good example of someone who is like always dabbling with yeah. the cutting edge of his profession, but he's so humble uh, and, and such a nice guy about it. Uh, he's like a really good example of what it means to be like a member and a contributing member of the NHSSCA. You know what I mean? Excellent. Yes. I mean, he's somebody you could text him and he'll talk VBT stuff all day long. And yeah. I am on the beginning level, I actually just got my first two units and he sat down with me for an hour. I never had to worry about the choice because I trust Mark, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you're doing. And it's, yeah, the support is amazing. I'm excited to get back together. I yeah. Just, just and be in Minnesota. That'll be. And Minnesota in the summer. That's. That's the real America from what I've heard. It, it really is. And, you know, I think with these national conferences in the Minnesota end, I'm excited for Minnesota coaches to be able to uh, go to this event because sometimes it's a, you know, even though the, the NHSSCA doesn't charge much, it's a big investment of time to go fly mm-hmm. down. Day. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have your diehards. I'm really excited for a coach that's like, maybe doesn't have a permanent job yet and knows that they want to do strength and conditioning. And then they get in and they see all these people and their minds just like. Blow. Yes. You, you bring up a really good point. People who, who sacrifice that they, they buy the flights to get the hotels. You know, they're they're It's not to say that people who don't do that aren't committed, but like at the high school level, the reality is, is that someone is a strength coach and something else. Yeah. And it's, it's a big commitment to, to get down the strength and conditioning rabbit hole. So I see what you're saying. Folks who didn't previously have the opportunity now do, and it'll be fun for them in your home state to kind of see Gary Schofield speak, to see these, you know, speakers in person and hear what they have to say. It's going to be pretty, pretty inspiring. You have a very educational, but very inspiring at the same time. Yeah. And for the ones who maybe did, just joined in the last year, and they've never been to the uh, social side of it. Oh, like, yeah. One. <laughs> like, uh-huh. If you've joined NHSSCA in the last, you know, two years and you haven't been able to get to a national conference yet, it's, I think it's the best thing about it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and you know, we're thankful for our leadership for like putting on a really good event. Um, you know, excuse my language, but they're not half-assed, these, uh, these conferences for being, uh, you know, a pretty grassroots organization, a very young organization relative to the other ones out there. Uh, I think everyone's been really happy with the uh, the national convention and how they've put it on. Yeah, I think so. How about from the team builder side? Like, I know you've been, you know, open about this is, I love these conferences and. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. I'm pretty transparent about it. I, I love the NSCA. Um, those people are my folks. Um, I probably love the CSCCA a little bit less than NSCA. <laughs> but um, the NSCA, are, they're good for what they are, education first. But after going to so many of those, it became pretty monotonous for me. I think the CSCCA, you know, had a, a little bit more of a vibe to it, but also more of like a hierarchy to it where, you know, it was harder to meet a coach at the CICCA because it was a, it's very much about status. So um, I, I, that one kind of got monotonous for me and came with its own nuances. Um, so I, I much clearly like, and I think people at Team Builder much more clearly like to go to the NHSSCA because it kind of makes us love strength and conditioning again. You know, when you go to the NSCA so many times and, and it becomes monotonous for you, I think going to the NHSSCA kind of is more of a relationship kind of based conference for us. And we tend to like think back and, and say like, this is why we're in strength and conditioning. Like these are the people that really make us get up in the morning and go to work and, and, and put in a full day's work. Um, that's how it's been for me anyway. Yeah. Um, that's why I started kind of going to power athlete HQ. Um, you know, power athlete is kind of like a grassroots kind of punk rock, you know, strength and conditioning. Oh. That's how I, that's how I think of them. I don't know how familiar you are with like John Wellborn and like that whole thing. Um, but you know, they're, they're not as like formal. They're more like, um, a little bit more punk rock. So I kind of started going to those kinds of things to kind of just get a different angle and to how to like, you know, relate to strength and conditioning. But the NHSSCA for me has always been the one that we, I think at team builder since the very first NatCon, have said like, this is why, we exist. Like we see our, the most of our customers here. We have the best relationships with our customers here. Um, like this is, this is what we do. And, you know, that's why we brought the van over and, you know, we feel like we can have some personality and kind of be ourselves as a company, right? We don't have yeah. to have so much of a facade as a, a company. We can just kind of be ourselves because that's kind of the point. So, yeah, I think we've, we've definitely, that's how we feel about the, uh, the NHS SCA. It, it's, it's a big deal to us for sure. I think that's why you're so popular at the NHSSC is because, yes, you get to be real. We love your creeper van. It makes us feel like <laughs> we can, you know, I mean, high school coaches are, you have to be real. You can't show up in the car that you can't afford because, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it doesn't happen in the high school world. No. And, and I, I like it that you get to be yourself. So I'm excited for this year. I've already packed some extra salsa. For you, we made it extra last year. Yeah, meats and meats and cheeses. Yeah, um, you know, we were really well taken care of in that house. We had that was a Midwestern conference with a lot of Midwestern coaches, and we had a lot of hospitality and a lot of food and just a really good times. I have fond memories. I'm, I have big hopes for this this one coming up, and it's coming up soon too. I mean, like it'll be a few weeks before we see each other in person for the first time in a while. I think it was thirty days. So it's, I think we're at twenty eight days right now. Wow, yeah, twenty eight days. Yeah. No, one month. Yeah, we are 28 days, June. Yeah, 24th. June 24th. Yeah, 24th. That's right. Yeah. Um, so on the topic of the, like, you know, events, you held an event with big time strength, uh, right? Um, you know, so obviously we know those folks um, and sponsor that podcast, which is really what that is. But then you also have had this event every year. Um, where does that event take place? Can you remind me? Yeah, actually, well, this was our first one that we actually got to do in person. So last year was was the first one. Yeah, but we didn't get okay. to have it. So I see. 
Yeah, and yes, we're uh, Preston Peterson, Gage Rozier, and myself yeah. are the hosts of Big Time Strength Podcast, and we have an awesome uh, sponsor and team builder. Uh-huh. <laughs> we held um, a Big Time Strength and Football Clinic in Iowa last. When do we When do we have it in uh, in March? We, uh-huh. we had it in March, and it was probably the first event it was a breath of fresh air because it was the first event that people were able to come to in Mm -hmm. a long time in, you know, the Midwest area. So it was very well attended, but it was wonderful. We had 21 speakers. Um, 11 of them were strength and conditioning, 10 of them were football. And then you had three options every hour, every session. So we would either have a two football and one strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. conditioning and one football. And they're very equal well attended and it was smooth. I mean, Preston Peterson did it at his place in Mount Vernon and it was wonderful. We're planning uh, to do it up in Minnesota and kind of keep spreading it each year because Mm -hmm. just getting together and starting to, um, I mean, the reality is that sport coaches in most of our places are probably doing most of our strength and conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have, a lot of schools are getting better and better, but in reality, a lot of sport coaches are doing it. And so being able to merge the two and start mm-hmm. talking and, you know, hopefully, I guess my vision for it would be like a football coach who's been running strength and conditioning sees uh, another strength and conditioning speaker and like, whoa, are we advocating for our other sports teams to even be in the weight room? And yeah. how, as a football coach, can I take the role of either finding someone or getting our softball team in the weight room. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a big part of the goal of merging it. You know, we started with football because that's where, <laughs> that's where a lot of your strength coaches come and a lot of your athletes are going to be from the football team to start, yeah. but hopefully we can merge it into a few more sports and, you know, make it yeah. an environment. Yeah. It's a pretty unique format. Um, to have strength and conditioning and football tracks kind of run side by side. I've seen football first events kind of invite strength coaches to kind of like add some variety to it, but you, you kind of took a different approach. You, it, it was like a strength and conditioning conference with, with football. Yeah. Um, is that how you would, you would define it? Definitely. I'd say, you know, the big time strength podcast is primarily strength and conditioning. Yeah. That was, you know, able to say that first and then bring in that football, just the support. Mm-hmm. It really had a, that family feel event. Too. Yeah. I'm anxious to see what, you know, we keep going and we're lucky we could start it in the Midwest and hopefully kind of merge it into other States over time. I see. So, you know, take for instance, the Glazier clinics that I've like sponsored on behalf of team builder. I don't do it anymore. It wasn't like it, we weren't, it wasn't really working out. That's like a sports first clinic that yeah. also had invited strength coaches. But your your vision, it sounds like, is we're still primarily a strength and conditioning event and, and podcast, but we're going to start maybe incorporating more sports into our strength and conditioning led, you know, event. Is that the idea? That's the so idea. That's pretty unique. It is. And hopefully it'll bring out those strength coaches from yeah. the sports teams and yeah. bringing out the realization that, wow these schools have strength coaches and look how successful they are in these programs Mm -hmm. um, to keep our kids safe. You know, maybe we should have a strength coach and just hopefully following suit over the years. 
I mean, my dream is by the time I retire, every school is required to have a strength and conditioning coach. You yeah. Know, it it really is. And, and this is I'll even dream big, a certified strength and conditioning coach. Hey, dream big. Why not? Look, Gary Schofield, when you came on this podcast a couple of months ago, this was a big part of our discussion is the NHSSCA exists to, to serve its existing members. That That's a pretty obvious, I think, kind of purpose of it. But what's like the bigger goal? What's the, the futuristic goal? And that's to, you know, advocate on behalf of the strength and conditioning profession for all high schools. So you're talking to those high schools and you know, Gary envisions it as being strength and conditioning being referred to as a physical art. You know, it's, it's part of the arts uh, curriculum of school. It, it has importance just like math and English. And it makes sense, you know, it makes sense to me. And prior to the NH, NHSSCA forming, like, I, I just don't know if I ever saw like a, a, a good effort or a good chance towards accomplishing that vision. The NHSSCA is probably as as serious and legitimate as it gets, don't you think? I I think so. And you know, if you've you've talked with Gary, he's lobbying to you know make it a a thing in Georgia, right? You know, mm-hmm. starting here that a certified strength coach needs to be in the weight room, including mm-hmm. and including physical education, mm-hmm. and that start right there. I mean, you, we have to. We have to legalize it instead of just suggesting because, right? I mean, it's costs money, right? It, mm-hmm. it costs time. It costs probably hiring somebody. You need to pay more than you can just pay a junior high salary. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I, the reality is. I start out. And I still get a junior high salary for strength and conditioning. I make mm-hmm. my money from being a teacher. Mm-hmm. And if we're gonna get people in the weight room, we have to pretty much demand it first. We can't just suggest it because yeah. money is where what it comes down to. Yeah. It really is what it comes down to. Um and it's and it varies state by state. You know, it's it's this is kind of the dilemma of of the uh of the US is is how things really do vary. I mean every strength coach in every every state has a different situation. Some people have a full-time position. Other people don't have a chance at it. Teacher certificate is required versus not. That's a big difference, right? You know, whether yeah. you're allowed to be a strength coach with or without a teaching certificate is that, that that's, those are two different kind of landscapes, aren't they? Definitely. And I mean, now a lot of private companies too, right. Are mm. going in and being the strength and conditioning. And mm-hmm. is that beneficial if they're certified I don't know. Maybe it is right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're stepping on toes in the teaching. Right. But if our teachers were not willing to hire teachers that are certified, maybe that's what it's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. It's another interesting component that you sometimes see out play. You know, sometimes see play out in the Facebook group, the NHSSCA group. There are private coaches and there are and, you know, coaches employed by schools and they both care and they're, you know, they might, both might be certified, but they're both probably wondering where they fit into this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a discussion that has to be had. I mean, it's, it's a nuance that we got to sort out, I think. Um, yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Um, cool. I mean, we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour. My podcast doesn't Joe Rogan. I don't go for four hours. <laughs> also, I'm just not Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we, we can kind of take it a couple of different directions here to kind of finish up, but you know, we hit everything that I was especially interested about and I learned something new about you, which I, I didn't know 
I had no idea about your experience in the military. And I think that's that's so unique. I think one thing that occurred to me in, in my head is, you know, sometimes in the past we've had, you know, um, uh, women guests on the show and we talk about the need to be more inclusive of them in discussions in general. And I think, you know, when I found out about your background in the military, that's kind of like the reason why you should be more inclusive to groups of people that otherwise would not have the opportunity. It's not necessarily because you check a box that says, you know, I'm having a woman on the show, I'm having a minority on the show. It's, it's absolutely not about that. It's about, there's going, there, there inevitably are going to be uh, like uh, variations and different perspectives and backgrounds that you otherwise would not have kind of introduced to the conversation. And I think the fact that, you know, I learned that that was new about you, that's a good example of that. That's not something that has necessarily has to do with you being a woman, but it has to do with the fact that like you are a woman that, that got invited to the show and that we got to talk about that and have more people know yeah. um, that that, you know, that's your story and that's unique in and of itself. Yeah, I think that's what we have to continue to do. And I've been very open about, you know, expressing to you, Hewitt, like what you are doing is exactly the philosophy I say, bringing female coaches to the surface of strength mm-hmm. and right where if you think of strength and conditioning i hope people think of amanda berg right now and mm. they don't think oh she's a female coach no she's doing this mm. stuff army combat fitness test and talk to her about this and by just simply bringing them to the service and like you said reaching out like i'm going to reach out to a high school coach it's just going to happen to be amanda berg and then now we learn about mm. her you know, history that i probably don't necessarily talk about a lot that is so important right now we, mm-hmm. we have to continue to bring the female coaches to the surface because it, it does take longer um, and we need to advocate for them so that others view them that way. You know, I saw, oh, gosh, I wish I could on the spot the name, but I saw a wonderful tech, TED talk and they were talking about um, our perception of black men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the perception that she then she said, you know what we need to do? We need to keep showing pictures of wonderful, wonderful black men all the time, mm-hmm. all the time that when we see a black man, we think wonderful, positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't counteract it with negative. And I mean, I know it's definitely not to the extreme of that, but along the same lines with female strength coaches, when we fe- see a female strength coach, it's like, this is it, you know, bringing it to the surface and av- advocating for them and continuing to talk to them. So yeah. I think that that's, you know, very important. Um, do I have time to share a story with you? Yeah, we absolutely do. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been saying this and, you know, when we're out on a podcast, I feel like I'm saying it all the time, but I'm always saying we need to advocate for women coaches and kind of back them. And I had a situation happen to me this, you know, just a couple of weeks ago that a coach did this and I, you know, I haven't talked about it yet, but I want to make sure that I, when people do it, that, I, you know, I, I say it. And so what happened was um, with the sports team, I had walked up to the sports team and the coach was like, Oh, Hey, coach Berg. Uh, I want to talk with my team quick about, um, you know, strength and conditioning. What day did we say? So I went and met with the group, just a real short conversation. And we agreed to what days we were doing strength and conditioning. And when that was the end of their practice. And when I walked away, uh, they all put their hands in the middle and they, they're, you know, we do certain things. A lot of times we'll say like the, the team name, but every day they said something different. And when I walked away, 
they put their hands in the middle and they said the name of our town health club. And it was kind of a jab at me. Like it meant to just be a little bit of a jab at me at that time. And I have a good relationship, but just at that time, in that short moment, that's what those boys decided to do. And I don't, if they thought it was kind of a joke, but it like hit me hard, (laughs) Mm -hmm. hit me super hard. And the head coach was walking out and I was like, oh my gosh, why did they say, like, why would you say that? I'm just, you know, I'm here to help out. And it was just, uh, everything came down and that coach could see that I was really upset about that situation. And that night he sent a letter to all the parents and all the players and said how unacceptable it was. This is what Coach Berg is doing. And I completely back her and, you know, basically saying she knows what she's doing. Um, She's one of the best in the industry and around here, and we're lucky to have her. And just changing that perception, you know, and when when they did that, they took the power a a lot away from me and put it all on them. And he stood up and changed that power dynamic. And mm-hmm. we definitely have the sports team and I have become closer for it, you know, and they now see it, it was an instant decision that a lot of kids made and kids are kids, right. And I've definitely forgiven them for them, but that's a situation where that coach did what was needed. And we need mm-hmm. to see that happen sometimes, right. We, if we see somebody slam a female coach or, you know, saying things, we need to find a way to know, <laughs> you know, you stop that train of thought a little bit and don't, don't ride with it. So yeah, that's what help do. Yeah. I, so thank you for the story. It's very cool. Very cool that the coach stood up for you. You know, obviously you prefer that the situation doesn't occur in the first place, but it yeah. is nice to know that there are some people who are conscious of it and do right by the situation. Um, I think, you know, th- Kind of related to your story, I think another good, um, I think another good byproduct of just being more inclusive is that it kind of levels the playing field for people who want to come up in the industry as far as their career goes. Um, I think this relates to to any profession, not just coaching, but in the in the, in the professional world. If you want to be a lawyer, an attorney, or whatever, um, you know the 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 playing field is not always level and that's kind of life to a degree, but at the same time, we can do some things to kind of help, but tear down barriers that exist for some people that don't for others, you know, and that's, yeah. that's not a bad thing. I know some barriers are inherent to the industry and they, they need to be there for a reason, you know, for instance, educational barriers, right. Attaining a certificate, yeah. but then there are some other ones like you know, dynamic social dynamics in the workplace and, uh, and those kinds of things. Um, I think, I think that would be a really good byproduct is just to let people enjoy the same careers without having, you know, different, uh, different experiences with them. You know, I think would go a long way for folks. Definitely. And I I think we're going to see it. And I think we're going to see a wave of it. Think of female, all sudden female um, football strength coaches, right? Mm. You know, we heard about the first one at the last Super Bowl and Mm. now they're coming, you know? Yeah. It, it opened the door for if a female is applied and that's what's qualified. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As Lauren Landau said when the, he hired, you know, his first female, the strength coach, which she's had a lot at his facility, you know, by the way, it just so happens that they hired the first one with, with the Broncos. He said, you know, we did not hire um, 
uh, a female strength coach. We hired the best strength coach we could find at that time who was available to us. <laughs> you know, that's a powerful statement for her. It's a powerful statement for others who are thinking about following in her footsteps. Um, you know, it was really cool to hear him say that. Um, yeah. I, I thought was was really good, and um, I bet he, you know, if he were to come on and talk about it, I guarantee he would say that his staff benefits from having diversity of perspective. Um, I know that they they definitely do because in my organization, we definitely benefit from from um, having different perspectives. Um, but, you know, it's just the way it goes, and um, yeah, that I think that so far, like I'm not a very old guy, but like throughout life, you're not going to just have all the perspective, right? You're going to need people, whether you have them or not, to kind of show you that. I just, I think it's a cool experience. Anytime you learn something new like that from another person, um, it's a pretty cool experience because you're never too old, you know, to kind of get that, I think. think. No, no, No. been good. Yeah. Well, um, couple of weeks we'll see you then I, by the way did you speak yourself at the big time strength um events that you one spoke I did. no i did not speak at that i you didn't got speak. to talk about you that was good okay so <laughs> you did some talk. like MCing kind of stuff yep got to talk about okay. team builder and um i gotta give another shot like your commercial did i gotta ask you did you plan i counted it it's 50 percent female coaches and 50 percent male coaches um did you plan I, it? I I probably was conscious of it when we made it. Yeah, uh, is yeah. it the one with the GW? Was it the collegiate style one? Kind of. Um, or I think it was our our collegiate clip. Um, yeah, it's about a minute and a half. About a minute and a half. Yeah. I, I yeah. I so I did that one at GW in DC, and um. Yeah, when I brought my videographer, I told the director of performance, who who you know is a woman, by the way, I said I want to do equal, the women's teams, the men's teams, and the videographer is going to do, you know, show all the coaches equally. And yeah. to their credit, GW has a pretty diversified staff. I mean, the woman is the director of performance, and they have some women on strength staff. So that kind of you know that 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 kind of solved it for us, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, it Did you was- notice that? I did. I noticed it and yeah. that you did it in a way that, you know, I think other coach, maybe coaches aren't going to notice it, but it's one of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. We can be it. And yeah, you just, you know, that there was a lot of wonderful male coaches in that, in that commercial. Yeah. As well. So yeah. it was just, it was, that's a simple thing that can be done that can put us on an equal playing field that is just going to get in our subconscious and is not going to yeah. be noticed. Good point. So actually, when I designed that commercial, I I don't know if this is interesting to anybody, but I kind of thought to myself, you know, what's the first thing anyone who's a vendor in strength and conditioning does uh, when it when it comes time to make like a promo image or a commercial? They go find the biggest name football team and who's lifting the biggest weights and they go film those folks. All five strength coaches are going to be men. You're going to get big jacked guys lifting big weights, yelling in the weight room that itself is a stereotype like that is so overdone yes that that is strength and conditioning but like that is not all strength and conditioning so when we were sitting down to play in a commercial i said we're going to go to gw i know her she'll let us do it um that is not like a primarily football school that is like a a good competitive division one school that has a lot of different sports um we're going to go do that one we're not going to go do the math of football because guess what 
that's already been done. Everyone's doing that. You know, we're not going to go try to, to film the middle linebackers doing power cleans. That's already been done. Like, you know, it, it's, it's too overdone. So that's kind of where I came with it when we did that commercial is I wanted to kind of film something that looked like more of strength and conditioning rather than just what gets people excited, you know, you know, that's kind of how I thought about it. Yeah. Well, it's still, it got people excited and the the other 98%, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. I think we had, I think some of that commercial, it was like tennis players or maybe swimmers. I mean, but that, Look, that that is strength and conditioning. You know, for every football team out there, there is a swim team too, yes. and they're training. Um, so I love that commercial too. I, I think that's a, I think that's a great one. Um, probably do for another one, but it's been hard with COVID to kind of get in and yeah. get soccer school into filming. And <laughs> nowadays with colleges, you you can't really show the uh, coll- the collegiate athletes' faces like very distinctly uh, because you know you're using their likeness and that's kind of an issue now. So that kind of changes things a little bit in the, the college space, which is, you know, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, this was awesome. It was fantastic. And just so everyone knows, like Amanda graciously listens to my podcast, which I don't know how many people listen to this thing, but when you reached out, I, it was at a point where I'd taken some time off from recording some episodes and I had planned on getting back into scheduling guests and it's almost like you appeared and I was like, you know what, you're, you're the, the person that we should have on the show. So thank you for listening. And also let's get you on the show and talk about it and, uh, and get it all out there. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. And I just hope you know how big of an impact like you've had on my life, just with your software, the way that you've ran your company. I mean, our, we live and breathe team builder and <laughs> I will, you know, again, it's one of those things I'll shout to anyone who will listen. Here's how we use it. And I love it. So that's, that's the thing, but you are the company and your customer support and calling <laughs> during a crisis. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden somebody picks up that, you know, is amazing. Like that was probably one of the, that, that sealed the deal for me forever is I called during COVID in the heat of it. And uh, Luke Green picked up the phone. I was like, mm-hmm. In absolute shock. I thought I'd get a recording. I thought I'd schedule the time. And he picked up the phone and answered my question in one minute. So, wow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it feels really good to hear you say that. That's like super, super kind. Um, and like, this is what it's about for us. I mean, like, I think everyone hearing coaches like you say that is the reason people at our company go to work. Um, and as soon as we're done here, I'm going to turn around and share that with, with folks at team builder, because that's what they want to hear to really make their job feel fulfilling. So thank you for saying that. I'm really happy we can be that company for you. Good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what a better time to end and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, like I said, I'll see you soon and we're going to have a good time. All right, let's do it. All right. See you then. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you would like us to discuss on our format, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is hewitt at teambuilder.com. Thanks again for listening.